Well, welcome to episode. What this? What this is episode four uh, of our very first wow. uh, ECC podcast, our Advent podcast. Uh, we've been just kind of talking through some of the the, the same characters and and stories that we're looking at in our weekly series, and just kind of going a little bit deeper into how we're living that out, what we're learning. Uh, my name is Jason Peterson. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm joined today by Tina Hoffler. Hello. Tina is writing our our weekly uh, devotions. It's Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays. Also diving into these characters, and I I absolutely loved. I, I had never thought about it this week. You uh, you mentioned in talking about Anna that there's mm-hmm. actually a whole lot more spoken about Anna yeah. than the, the than the shepherds than the magi, <laughs> and yet you never see her in the nativity. Um, yeah. I just had I hadn't thought of that. Uh, before and so it's that sort of insight that you're bringing into these characters and just coming kind of coming at it from different angles and so check those out and then we're also joined uh, by Pastor Dan, hello Dan Swartz as we talked about this was the uh, the pastor of young adults students and beard uh, maintenance overall here at ECC not many students with beards but if they got them I'm here for <laughs> you're, them you're all over <laughs> it awesome well last week we talked about some important Christmas questions like pineapple on pizza. This week, I want to I want to get into some really a little more substantive mm. stuff around Christmas. Like, what is your favorite Christmas movie? I mean, you guys are aware there's only one right answer, right? No, no, and it's Die Hard. Oh, <laughs> is there Christmas in Die Hard? Is there Christmas is in there Die Hard? Christmas? It is the pinnacle Christmas movie. It's got action, adventure, all happening around Christmas time. It really brings the family together. Yes. It's been too long since I've seen it. I oh. don't remember anything about it. <laughs> I associate no one like Christmas, like Bruce Willis. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember him dropping like a, a bomb down an elevator shaft, and and it's like Professor Snape is the bad guy, right? Totally. Yeah. All right. How about you? Favorite Christmas movie? Oh my gosh, there's so many. Again, we watch a lot of them. Although in the past few years, we've discovered a few new animated ones that I really like. Oh. So I really like the new animated Grinch. Mm. I really like Klaus. And uh, the Arthur Christmas animated. Arthur? Those have all like been... Like Arthur the Aardvark? The kids? No. I don't no. Know Arthur? No, it's, um, it's this British sort of... Arthur's one of Santa's sons, and oh. I think Steve is the other one. Steve's in line to inherit the okay. Santa thing, and it's very technological, and it's I fun. Yeah, our, our daughter-in-law told okay. us about it. And I don't... Check them out. The Grinch, Klaus. Klaus is very different as well, but it's very fun. Okay. And then uh, Arthur, yeah. I don't know that I have, like, a favorite Christmas movie. I know that, like... We often will, during this month, have just Christmas movies playing in the background while we're doing things, so we can try to pack as many in as we can. Um, this one, I, I, I really love the soundtrack to Polar Express, mm. uh, and there's just so much I like about the movie. When it came out, I was really intrigued by the the CGI. Now, you look back, and it's just kind of creepy. Like It looks like Tom Hanks, but creepier. <laughs> <laughs> but still, still a good movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, on to, to matters of more substance. This week we uh, we are in week four and we are looking at the characters, uh, well, the characters of Zachariah and Elizabeth. Yeah, and you just talked about them preached last night. So tell us uh, what you saw in Zachariah and Elizabeth. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I think at least in part, 
you know, I'm sure that because we're doing this as a serial, we're doing this as a series, uh, it's amazing how many parallels there are between these stories. And, you know, last week, Dan talked so much about these seasons of waiting, these seasons of kind of deep longings. And so many of these stories contain those those things. And, and as you look back throughout Scripture, in fact, oftentimes there are these stories of deep, unmet longings that God comes and, and miraculously works in and through. Uh, I, I, I talked about the story of Hannah from the Old Testament from 1 Samuel uh, and how she had she had no deeper longing than to have kids. And her husband's like, why do you, why, why do you, why do you want kids? Do you got me? <laughs> like worst husband <laughs> advice ever, right? Um, and how God meets her in that. And uh, it's the same is very true with Zachariah and Elizabeth. You know, he meets us in our longings. Um, yeah, and I think it's one of those stories that oftentimes becomes sort of a, um, I don't know, we want to, we want to, we want to take these characters and make them the heroes of the story and make them into sort of moral lessons, character lessons about like, well, you know, Mary had faith and Zachariah didn't. And I, th- I think it's more complicated than that. And I, I tried to lean into, there's evidence in this story that Zachariah did have faith. Luke is really particular in, in, you know, the way that he introduces us to this couple is they're super devout. They're super dedicated. They're both priestly. They, they are honored in the eyes of the Lord. He is setting them up. The only kind of negative is, and they're very old. <laughs> right. So if that's how Luke is setting up this story, you know, I don't want to too quickly you know, throw Zachariah under the bus. No, I think that he, Luke says he was, they were both blameless and righteous. Yeah, they, and clearly they had a lifetime of disappointment in not having a child, and yet they remained blameless and righteous. But the angel does say to Zechariah, because you didn't believe here. And so even even the best of us, even the most devout, the most priestly, whatever you want to say, we have doubts. We have times when it's hard to believe. It's hard to, even with an angel standing in front of you, which who hasn't wanted like very direct communication from God? Just tell me what to do. Yeah. Right? But even then, it's hard. It's hard. I, th- I think it's interesting as well. And, and I don't know. It would have been customary in that time, perhaps, uh, to ask for signs from God, uh, to ask for really clear direction from God. The story starts with him saying, you know, he was chosen by casting lots to, to enter into the, you know, contained in this story is them looking for a divine sign from God. And in, in what, I mean, there's no sermon today where it'd be like, pray about it, then roll the dice and whatever the dice says. <laughs> and yet that's how we're introduced to him. That's how we're. It's explained that he's even in this situation. And I just heard that there were like 20,000 priests at the time. It was So this is a once-in-a-lifetime that he's going to go in and do this. Absolutely. And many priests would go an entire lifetime and never have this opportunity. One commentary I read said, this is probably the holiest moment of his life. Yeah. And to your point, if in the holiest moment of your life, in the holiest place in your community, <laughs> doing the holiest act you could do, and you're encountered by an angel, and it's still hard to believe right out of the bat, right yeah. off, off the bat. You know, maybe there's some grace for us in that. Um, Very true. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this whole story is set up to point us back to Abraham and Sarah, right? Like, Abram and Sarah are in this same boat of barren and old and, yep. like, hoping for a promise from God. And Abraham is lauded for his faith, but proves his lack of it twice in you know his actions and yet 
becomes this pinnacle moment of faith um, and receives the child of the promise, even as he screws up several times in the process. And so I think that like hope for us uh, is a really strong thing in here, reminding us of Abraham and the kind of faith we can have in spite of our lack of faith at the same time. And Zechariah maybe is a pinnacle of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, And he certainly knew the story of Abraham and Sarah. He certainly knew the story of Hannah and he knew that God had the power to do this, but he still, it seemed like too much for him. It's easier, I think, to believe for others, to look back and believe that God did this, but to believe for yourself can be much more difficult. Yeah. When we were when we were talking about this now, you know, months ago in one of our planning sessions, I think it was Jamie Latipo that said, you know, we we tend to see this the silence that is done as a punishment, and perhaps there's truth in that. It's set up as because you didn't believe, you were going to be made silent, and in a time where act, asking for signs is okay where it was a regular common practice among priestly people, maybe this is a gift. Maybe this is a sign. Maybe this is this angel saying, okay, I'll meet you there. I'll, I'll give you that thing that you need to believe. Um, it's, it's God saying, like, be still. Just be still and know that I'm God. I'm going to do what I said I'm going to do. And yeah, and they still got the baby. It didn't, his doubt or his disbelief didn't stop God from doing what God said he would do. Yeah, in and the same way that Abraham's multiple failures didn't disqualify him, he still got to be blessed and be a blessing and be pointed to. Zachariah is still blessed. He's still, he's promised joy. He experiences joy. His response, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I love in all of these stories is is their responses, the the, the, the Magnificat and Zachariah's prophecy. And um, it's just beautiful. And, you know, thinking... Uh, I, I like to give God as much of the benefit of the doubt as I can, especially in the Christmas story. Mm. And I, I wonder how much of a That's gift... That's a safe bet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I wonder how much of a gift this silence really was to Zechariah and maybe to Elizabeth. You know, there's some... We were having a conversation before this, like, was he just unable to speak or was he also deaf? Like, what's, what's going on here? But there's... Uh, I'm imagining in that home the effects. Like, if I couldn't no longer speak in my home, it would really change the dynamic. Mm. And, uh, you know, you were talking about how Elizabeth takes this uncommon, unexpected seclusion during this time. Yeah, so she got pregnant, and then right out of it, so she got pregnant, and she took five months of seclusion. It's like, what in the world? Yeah, and so I wonder, like, a... A lot of people go on silent retreats to try to prepare Mm. for a season to meet with God, whatever. And this is almost a forced silent retreat for both of them because Zachariah is not going to be talking in the home. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if Elizabeth is pushed into her version because her husband is not speaking and Zachariah is forced into his, but it prepares them for the moment that John is born and and for what God wants to do. Like I just wonder how big the gift really is uh, that God gives through this what looks to us like a curse. Mm. Yeah, and it, it must have allowed Elizabeth to speak more, just even if for no other reason than Zachariah couldn't say anything. And then if he was able to still, I always imagine that he's able to hear still. And so I think of him listening to Elizabeth and Mary as they greet each other and as they talk or listening to other things that people are saying. When you're forced to listen, you you know, we often learn so much more. And what, what did he do in his time with God as well? And maybe he was able to listen and hear 
more things from God too, mm-hmm. just to take in. I we, before we started rolling today, we were talking about uh, books we're reading right now for fun and also you know for edification. Uh, and one of the books I just started, I, I literally started it today. I think it's called Deeply Formed. Mm-hmm. Do you know that at all? I can't re- mm-hmm. even remember the author, but it, it's basically what are the practices we need to do to be deeply formed as disciples? And mm-hmm. what are the ways in which our culture of Christianity actually is, is discipling us towards sort of a superficiality in our faith? And one of the immediate things he points to is this idea of having broad spiritual practices, and he, and he lists silence. And I had like this visceral reaction, like, okay, I'm cool with a lot of things. I'm not doing that. That's an Enneagram <laughs> so, 7 reaction I'm a right seven, there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That sounds horrible. And I would immediately like, you would ha- it would have to be a forced situation for me. Mm-hmm. Like, you'd have to be like, you're going in this room. We're taking away your phone. We're taking away books. We're taking away all these things. And you just have to be silent. Uh, and that, that sounds absolutely horrible to me. And yet in this thing, he's saying, unless you're willing to engage across a broad number of voices, a broad number of practices, you're not going to experience the kind of transformational faith and, and life transformation uh, that Jesus is actually calling us to. And so maybe in this case, it is, mm. it is a gift of, of God going, I know what you need in order to experience this fully. It's to stop yeah. talking. That's really interesting. Yeah, and the, I, I imagine he was transformed. You know, he, he starts out with some doubt, even in the face of the angel, and yet he comes out with his prophecy of what God is going to do through John and Jesus and re- redemption and rejoicing. He comes out very strong. Mm. Man, it makes me think we do this like silence before communion when we think about the cross and resurrection. Where is the silent moment before Advent or like before Christmas? Because uh, that's where God forces it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's an earthquake as Jesus dies uh, and before John silence so mm-hmm. i wonder if we have it a little maybe not backwards but we're missing an opportunity as well on tuesday nights at studio church we always do this thing where we have to capture 15 seconds of silence and it's basically to capture the the ambient noise the lights the fans you know all of that we capture 15 seconds of that so that that can be then removed from the final product um but it's actually become a practice that i mean it's interesting 15 seconds is nothing <laughs> and it's hard even even on a weekly basis, because I'm ready to go. Let's do it. I'm ready to play these songs. I'm ready to preach this sermon. Uh, and just to pause, I think it's been a, a good practice for us to get into. Dan, you were saying earlier, um, you know, we, we do tend to try to make good guys and bad guys in all of these stories. Talk, talk a little bit about what you're, what you're saying with that. Well, I, you know, it's easy, and, and in some ways, even the book of Luke is designed to foil uh, Zachariah and Mary, where Mary has this humble, uh, whatever you say, it'll happen. And Zachariah is like, well, we're really old. How do I know? And he he kind of gets what we see as a punishment. And Mary just, you know, gets to be Mary. And um, and like like I was kind of saying earlier, I like to try to give God as much of the benefit of the doubt as I can, but also maybe some of the other people in the story. Uh, and Zachariah, in this holiest of moments, as we talked about, maybe he goes in and is believing as much as humanly possible and the angel's not not saying like well your belief sucks and so you're punished but maybe like what would it look like if we looked at this story and said Zachariah is entering with as much faith as could be expected and God is giving him a blessing in that of saying like you have as much faith as you could but I'm going to help you even further Uh, I just wonder what it would look like if we adopted that kind of posture 
with the characters in the Christmas story. Because that's the kind of posture I think God has with us. You know, it's easy post-resurrection to imagine God looking at me and my lack of faith in the Christmas season and being like, it's okay. Like, my child, I'll help you believe. You know, what's the verse, uh, uh, when we are faithless, he is faithful. Uh, And I wonder if that's a little bit of what's happening with Zechariah, where he's not saying, like, because of your unbelief, which is sinful and wrong, you are punished with silence. But instead, oh, because you're you're not sure, let me help you be sure. Uh, like, what if we looked at the interaction as a gift because of what Zachariah brings rather than a punishment as a result of what's lacking? Yeah, and I th- it makes me think of a story. I can't remember where I heard it. But the idea of when Jesus was with the disciples on the boat and, you know, I don't know if I remember that where it's in the Peter Bible, was walking on water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the, he says to them, you know, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Right. And um, the person was saying, you know, how do we hear him saying that? Like, oh, my gosh, why are you doubting? Like, or is it this guy imagined it more like when he was teaching his child to ride a bike? And he's like, you know, I'm going along and they're going really good. And it's like, oh, why did you stop? You were doing so good. You You know, like that kind of thing. Like, why are you uh, just keep going? You're doing really well. And so Zachariah righteous blameless doing all his things but not believing here like oh no okay here let me give you a sign because you didn't believe i'm going to help you just keep going and then he grows even further in his faith during that silence yeah and again giving god the benefit of the doubt like if i tell you tina i wish you would trust me me yelling at you to trust me more does not actually instill more trust and so uh i don't think even when Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith, why don't you believe? I don't think he's saying, like, try harder, jerks. Like, I think God is inviting us and is giving us an opportunity. And the opportunity for Zechariah was this gift of silence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So believe, you jerks. And that's, the, and that's the silence right there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we haven't really talked much about Elizabeth, but I think her... As well, her seclusion, you know, is she in a space where she's like, okay, I'm just going to hold off letting anyone know what's happening till I feel more confident that this is really a pregnancy, it's really going to happen. And then what, you know, was growing inside of her as well, because her joy spills over when Mary gets there, which is six months into it. She is now fully engaged and wow, this is amazing. It's not just the two of them and their miraculous pregnancies, but also the whole redemption of Israel, the, you know, the bigger, much bigger picture that she is a part of. I think one of the, as we look at the different characters throughout the stories, uh, one of the things that I noted is there's, you said last week, you know, when you're in these seasons of waiting, it is so hard to keep your heart open and to not be bitter. And it is in these stories, the characters that are open, that, that don't just immediately block it, that are able to to most immediately experience hope and experience joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when you look at the characters of Anna and Simeon that you, that you talked about last week, you know, it describes Simeon as, you know, um, eagerly, waiting and, and and it says that Anna talked to everyone who is uh, waiting earnestly or something like that you know expectantly expectantly yeah. expectantly yeah this idea of are are we in a in a stance in a posture of openness looking for and anticipating what God is going to do even in the dark moments mm-hmm. or are we inherently you know kind of you're gonna have to win me over with this I mean I I I know you can, God. <laughs> I know you even have God, but I don't really trust you're going to. 
And that, that tends to be more my default. Again, back to the Enneagram 7, I tend to be more, when I'm in a situation of pain, I don't go, oh, good, here's an opportunity to anticipate the fun that God's going to bring. It's me trying to escape the pain, you know, and, and find ways to cover it, find the joy. Yeah. I, Manufacture the joy. I just, uh, I was just rereading Elizabeth's words when she has the, the child, and, um, you know, she says... That God has been gracious to me because he has taken away my disgrace among the people. And so she, in her barrenness, was was kind of waiting to see what God would do, hoping in that. And I, wa- I just had the thought of, like, I wonder if that's the gift that God gave Zechariah of, like, Elizabeth has experienced it personally. He's experienced it through his wife, but he's like, I'm going to give you a form of barrenness mm-hmm. so that when it, this time is done, you can share in the joy in a way that you couldn't have without it. So oh, I wonder what that gift, like, man, the gift of barrenness is not one that Enneagram 7 I want to have anything to do with, but God's bigger than that. Yeah. Yeah, right. and the, the, I don't think anyone says, oh, good, I'm in pain. <laughs> you know, Jason, you're not alone in that. But the, the belief that God, coming back around, reminding ourselves of the belief that God can do something, even with this really awful situation, is, is something we practice. It's one of those, you're talking about disciplines, right? What do we practice? What do we put ourselves in a posture of looking for and like you said dan the you know what is god doing give god the benefit of the doubt look at this in a positive way or look for okay show me lord show me i know you're always working show me what that is that's a frequent prayer of mine i know god's working i want to see can you give me just a little hint and he is always faithful I, I don't even remember what book it's from. It's from years ago, but I think it was Andy Stanley talking about teams and relationships and how it's important to insert trust. Like we're going to naturally doubt. That's, that's what we do. And we, we can attribute that to, you know, character flaws and whatever. And he said, at the beginning, insert trust. And that, that's an interesting principle here with God. Like start from a position of trusting that God is who he says he's going to do. And that's interesting, you know, actually the verse you just said, you know, in the midst of this, because Elizabeth at that point hadn't delivered. But she said, how kind the Lord is. You know, so it's a characteristic of who God is. And then she says, he's removed my disgrace. So it's you know, who God is and what God has done. Uh, that's inserting trust before she's actually fully realized this, this child. Man, we could spend a whole podcast just talking about like looking for the good in the painful and not placing that there will be good out of this horrible situation on every situation because like no. there, man, that's the worst thing to say to someone who's gone through something terrible. Like, Just well, God will work it for good. Uh, and sometimes that good is not apparent in our lives or, or sometimes there isn't good in that moment and God remains good. But I think we already have quite a podcast here. So we'll yeah. maybe save that for next time. I think so. Yeah. I guess our invitation, uh, at least my invitation uh, this week is that, that, our hope is that you would experience that God of Hannah, the God of Elizabeth, the God of Zachariah, the God of Jacob, the God of a God who is good, um, who's kind and who will do what he says he will do. And that our belief would be just rooted in him. Like we see in so many of these characters, I think, Dan, you said it, you know, all the characters we're introduced to in this, besides Herod, like all the characters in the story are good, faithful servants mm-hmm. who, are, who are earnestly seeking God and trying to lean into that so with that we're going to leave you with um 
a song. I also want to remind you that all of these resources, like the Advent devotionals we talked about, our uh, the podcast which you're currently listening to, uh, the EP, the, the all of that is available at manual.church slash Advent. We're going to leave you with one of the songs from that uh, that speaks to these faithful people. It's a favorite of mine. It's called O Come, All Ye Faithful. <laughs>